0: Dear God, and it's been a series about prayer and just some of the different aspects, opportunities, even the challenges that we experience around prayer. And one of the things I know about this season of year is it's complicated. Some of you came from Thanksgiving dinner, and Thanksgiving dinner was complicated. There were people who were there, or maybe there were people who weren't there, and you were reminded of that, and so you have these very complicated feelings about that. Uh, I certainly have that as well, but this issue of prayer is a complicated thing, and today I want to talk about a part of prayer that for many of us is incredibly complicated. We have incredibly complicated feelings and experiences around it, and I'm talking about how we pray for healing, how we pray for people, or maybe you've prayed for yourself or others have prayed for you for healing. And we're gonna talk about this in two parts. We're gonna talk about it this week. We're gonna talk about really what do we understand from the Bible about the subject? What can we believe about praying for healing? And next week, what can be our experience of it? And the moment I say that word, it just immediately, for many of you, brings up some feelings, some emotions, some experience, uh, some of them positive and some of them difficult. And so I'm very aware of that as we enter into this complicated subject today. But here's the thing, our belief and our experience, the two parts of this that we're gonna talk about, they, they tie directly to each other. One of the things I've realized in my life, and maybe you've realized that in your life, is that you actually have built your belief system, the things that you believe about life, that you believe about people, that you believe about circumstances, and even that you believe about God, around the things you've experienced. You know, I remember the, the time my, uh, my younger son discovered that the oven is hot for the first time. His experience shaped his belief system, and there's millions of different ways that that happens for all of us. Uh, this is the season where many of us buy things online. How many of you are shopping online this year? Oh, I love shopping online, it is the best. Like last night I was outside hanging a wreath in the dark because that's how I roll at the hottie house uh, in front. And there were like these random U-Haul trucks driving around which it turns out were Amazon trucks because they don't have enough trucks apparently. And they were just prowling the neighborhood, dropping off things. This is the season of online shopping. Have you ever had something that looked really good that you bought that when you got it, it wasn't nearly what you expected. A Couple of years ago, I uh, was, I think online on Facebook or something, and I saw this ad for these wool, like kind of sailor uh, nautical jacket things. They, like, it's the kind of coat I like to wear. I have a couple longer ones that I wear that I like. And I'm like, man, this thing looks great. So I ordered it, it seemed like an incredible deal. I got this thing. It might've been made by a five-year-old out of flannel like just kind of glued together. I don't know, it's still in my closet, but it's the most underwhelming thing I've ever purchased. It, I cannot imagine being on the bow of a sailing ship in the North Atlantic, you know, with the spray. I, you, you would be like frozen to death in, in a short amount of time. And, and we can all relate to those things where what we believed we were getting And what we experienced as we got it were were two very different things. And sometimes that's been for the worse, but the other thing is that sometimes it can be for the better. Now, here's the thing with, with belief. We think it's fixed, but it's actually always in motion. You know, as we go forward in life, as we even go forward in faith, our journey is always some combination of holding on to the right things and releasing the wrong ones. It's holding on to the things that are true, and it's releasing things that maybe we've picked up somewhere, by some means, somehow, and letting those things go so that we can embrace better things. Imagine if we never did that with online shopping. It's like, hey, that new thing looks great. Let's go get that instead. We don't do that. And I think when it comes to healing, when it comes to our prayers for healing, When it comes to Jesus and healing, you and I have to do the same things. We have to hold on to what's true. And there's maybe some things that we have to let go of so that we can receive better things. Because in a room like this, there are those of you You know, you've heard a preacher or maybe you watched one on TV or something like that. They told you that if you do this or if you pray this way or if you just pray enough or if you make enough noise or if you give a certain amount, that healing is certain to come. And so many of us, when we hear those things, we know that it seems a little bit suspicious. We know that it doesn't really necessarily add up. But there's part of us that wants it to be true. Because this isn't abstract. There's a name. There's a face. There's a situation involved. And so we want it desperately to be true. You know, we live in a modern time where the advances of science have gone so far and the gift of knowledge that we have is so great. And there's an inherent skepticism around anything that can't be quantified or measured. But then there's those times that You and I, we've prayed for healing. We've prayed with the best intentions. We've prayed for a situation where if it came in this moment and it came in this life and it came for this person, it would make absolute sense. God would get the glory. His power would be demonstrated. Wholeness would come. And it seems like it's the kind of prayer that God ought to answer But it seems like that prayer went unanswered. Sometimes we pray those prayers, and it feels like nobody's listening. It feels like they've been unanswered. And and let's just be honest. When you experience that, you pour your heart out, you pour your soul out. At some level, it feels like God is rejecting you. There's something about you. You. That he's not responding to Today for some of you Maybe a lot of you I want to break that chain this morning I want to break the chain That feels like God rejected You Because here's the first truth That we need to hold on to when it comes To how we pray for healing Persistent prayer Around healing Is an invitation To the giver And not just the gift. Persistent prayer around healing. We know what we want to happen. It seems right that it ought to. But more than just an invitation to the gift, to the thing that we want to happen, it's an invitation to the giver of the gifts, And so we need to pray those prayers and continue to pray those prayers and pour our heart out in those prayers, but lean into God and not just the specific outcome. So you have some questions, and I have some questions too. But I want to invite all of us to do something this morning, and frankly, it's something I also need to do, and it's this. Hold graciously, loosely, and humbly... To the picture that you have Of what healing looks like You know you have the name You have the situation You have all the things we talked about Where you know what you need it to look like And you've prayed and you've hoped and you've wept And you know I have several of those myself But let's together do something Where we loosen our grip And lean in with new eyes And new ears Today So what does the Bible tell us? What do the scriptures tell us about Jesus and about healing? You walked in today and there's Christmas trees and we're singing Christmas songs. And a couple of you are always, you're wondering like, when are you you, you gonna get to the Christmas story? You know, because we're in December, we've just finished up all the turkey sandwiches. We're ready to move on and then move ahead with our lives. And where's the shepherds? Where's the angels? Where are all those things? And don't worry, we're gonna get there. But before we do get into that actual story in the Old Testament, in the first half of the Bible, there are all these accounts that we call prophecy accounts. They're, they're prophecies that Jesus would come of who he would be, what it would look like, and the kinds of things that he would do. And this happened long before the birth of Jesus, long before the story that we're very, most of us, familiar with. And we're going to look at one of those accounts this morning from the same Old Testament book that our Advent candle reading was from, from the book of Isaiah in chapter 53 and began. At verse 1 And Isaiah is writing And he's writing to an ancient people But he's pointing ahead To a reality that is to come Jesus the Messiah And some of you may know these words And some of you may not But Isaiah writes this He says Who has believed our message And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed He grew up before him Like a tender shoot And he's talking about Jesus at this point And like a root out of dry ground He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Some of us have watched the Bible movies where the character of Jesus, you know, has these piercing blue eyes and this long flowing hair, and we're like, ah! And Isaiah says, that's actually not what Jesus was like at all. There was nothing in his physical appearance that made us go, whoa, look at that guy at all. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, many of us, as we read this passage, we can kind of see the outlay of what we just celebrated in communion, which was that Jesus came to earth. He was born for a purpose. He was born to die. He was born to take our sin upon us, to be the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sins and to restore the way between us and God that had been broken. And most of us are somewhat familiar with that idea That Jesus came into this world He's fully God, but he came into this world We celebrate it now in this season In a form that we could fully understand A baby who grew into a man We call this, it's a fancy word We call it the incarnation It's God becoming flesh And that's literally what we celebrate this season. Some of the words we sang earlier and Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, they're a familiar Christmas carol that I think we just kind of blazed through the words, but listen to these words again. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. That is the story of Christmas. But Jesus didn't just come to hang out, to say wise sayings that made everyone go, hmm, and to perform wondrous signs. He came to take away the sins of the world. It says in verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. Just like you and I, you know, we look around the world, at least in my recent lifetime, probably more now than we have in recent years at all, We see all the wrong. We see all the darkness. We see all the difficulty. We see wars. We see suffering. We see violence. We see death. We see struggle. We see strife. We see it all. And we subtly want that all to be made right. We want justice to come. But we're also aware that we can't do that. The strongest army, the greatest nation, the wisest person, the largest amount of resources, all of the advancements that we've made in technology and science and economics, they can't make that right. And as much as we keep trying and hoping that it'll happen, there's part of us that knows that it's just not enough. We need a savior, whether we want to admit that. Or not And sometimes I don't know if you've ever tried to do this When we try to wade into the world And make it better It actually just makes more of a mess I don't know if you've had one of those broken relationships. You're like, I'm going to fix this, and you wade into it, and you figure it out, and it just ends up being more of a mess, and you, you realize how complicated all of these things are. This is why Jesus came. This is why it says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, because we feel that, but we look with hope to who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so I think most of us can see that Jesus comes as our savior for our sins and for the sins of the world in this passage that Isaiah writes. But there's something else that's intertwined in here that I don't want us to miss. It's language about healing. Look at verses four and five again. Surely he took up our pain. And he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. So he came for our sin. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, but then there's something else. By his wounds, because of what he did, because of his finished work on the cross, we are healed. And that word healed, in the original language, it certainly talks about the physical healing that we so often pray for for ourselves and for other people. But it's so much more than that. It's talking literally about broken things being made whole. In the original word, in the, in the original Hebrew, there's this imagery of polluted water being made clean, of a broken pot being restored. So Jesus didn't just come in this cosmic, eternal sense, to bring us salvation, He came to make all of the things in our lives that seem broken to make them whole. You know, for some of you in this room today, there's something in your life that feels like it's been polluted. You know, there's something in your life. It seems like it was fine, and then the dirt gets everywhere. And so what you do is you go around, you know, and you, you try to find it, you try to clean it up, and you get the bleach. I love bleach. Bleach is amazing. If my house, if I come home and my house smells like bleach, that is the best smell. Because you know that what was not clean has been made and you've been trying to scrub and you've been trying to clean it up and there's this thing in your life, it's a memory, it's a situation, it's an encounter, it's a pattern of abuse, it's an addiction. Whatever it is, it feels like there's something that's been polluted. And maybe some of you have given up and you've said, you know what? This is the way it's always gonna be. This is the way I'm always going to feel. This is the memory, the pain, the anxiety, the fear." the depression I'm always going to carry. These are the memories I'm always going to have. This is the person I'm always going to have to avoid. Jesus came for that, and he came for you. And then there's the things in our life that just, like that broken pot, they seem like they're profoundly broken. I have two kittens in our house now, and we are gonna find out how the Christmas tree does with the kittens. I'll I'll keep you updated because I know you're just waiting on the edge of your seats to see how this goes But what happens sometimes we have like a vase or something like that something that falls off and hits the floor and shatters into a million pieces And I don't know if you've ever tried to do this You try to collect all the pieces and put them back together and maybe you even try to reassemble it But there's always a couple pieces missing You try to glue it together. There's some things that have just been broken in a way that they can't be unbroken. It seems unsalvageable. You know what, friends? Jesus came for that situation in your life. He came for that thing where it just feels like it's unsalvageable. It can't be put back together. The thing I want you to get from this ancient prophetic passage about Jesus is that the idea of salvation and the idea of healing, they're intertwined. They're tied together like a rope made of strands. And one of the hardest things to hold in faith for you and for me is this, our picture of healing and God's picture of healing, they might be very different pictures. They might be different pictures. You have a picture of what you need it, what you want it, what you've prayed for it, what you've hoped, what you've held on with your last ounce of strength for it to look like. And God's picture might be different than yours, because God is always at work. Let me explain how these pictures are different. You know, one of the things as I was thinking about this, uh, praying about this this past week, is that many of our prayers for healing—they're an effort to overcome or outwit some kind of death. You know, a lot of times, when we pray for healing, it's to you know counteract or push off or stave off physical death at least for a while because here on earth unless Jesus comes back first death does come for us all and we're reminded in small ways and big ways that that's always out there whenever we encounter suffering we're reminded that death and when I say death I don't just mean like the the end of our lives I mean all of the ways that looks The end of a dream, the end of a relationship, the end of a picture of how we thought things were going to be. When we're praying for healing, very often it's saying, God, push that over there a little bit farther. Push it away from me. I don't want to have to confront it. And they're good prayers and they're well-intentioned prayers, but it misses something about what Jesus did and it misses why these two things are intertwined in this passage so closely together because we are trying to avoid all the places in our lives where it feels like things come to an end. One of the ways we're reminded of that is in suffering, in our own suffering and in other suffering. I hate to suffer. I hate it. If I get a stomach bug, my wife is somewhere watching this and rolling her eyes, I am one of the people who goes from okay to Jesus, take me now. <laughs> it can only be better in heaven, I can't do any more of this, it's just, it's, it's a short journey from, and, and some of you are that per- some of you are married to that person, you're elbowing them right now. And I hate it. Because I think that suffering in all of its forms is a reminder of how out of control how fragile, and frankly, how close to the idea of death we all are. You know, suffering at its very basic is the gap between our expectations for how we think things ought to be and how they actually are. You know, when you're sick, you wanna be well, but you're reminded that you're not, and every single stomach pain, every single pounding of your head, it reminds you that there's this huge gap in that, But here's the thing. Why am I talking about this? Here's the reason. Jesus came for that too. Look at what it says in the passage. It says, surely he took up our pain. And some of you are in pain today. Maybe not physical pain, but emotional pain. Jesus came and he took that on himself. And he bore our suffering. All of the things that point us in the direction of death. And I think there's something that suffering does for us. As much as I don't really like it at all, and most of you don't like it either, it makes us confront a reality that we would rather avoid. And then there's this idea that we're limited and there is an end to us, whether that's the literal end or that's just a small end in our lives. Jesus came for that as well, but here's what I want you to get. Here's why this is tied in all this talk about Jesus coming to save our souls is that Jesus defeated death. He defeated all kinds of death. And so friends, when we look at our lives, we don't just have to look from here to the end of our physical lives on earth. We don't have to look from the beginning of our days to the end of our days. We can look past that because death is not the end anymore with Jesus. Death is the gateway into resurrection because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus did. And that is true at every level from the very largest cosmic end of our lives to the very smallest it says in the scriptures that death no longer has its sting the grave no longer has victory and even when we do suffer we can do it and this is from the scriptures as well with joy because we find in the midst of it it's not pointing us to the end anymore It's not pointing us to the end anymore. It's not reminding us of an end. It's pointing us to Jesus who bore our suffering and bore our pain, and by his stripes we are healed. And so God's people can have a larger, different view of all that healing might mean because the power of death has been defeated and it's no longer a barrier. And so when you pray for healing, you might receive what you want exactly in the way that you want it, and you might receive it now. But you don't have to receive it so that you can escape and outwit death anymore. That's not the reason you have to receive it anymore. And in the meantime, regardless of whether it's here now, whether it's in some other form where we pray for physical healing and instead God gives us strength to stand, we can be reminded as the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he prayed and prayed and prayed and here's this guy who's super spiritual and he's in stained glass windows someplace so it's like if anybody's prayers ought to get God to do the thing, it ought to be someone like that. And instead he wasn't. But he was reminded, and I'm reminded, and you can be reminded, that God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace in the place where you're like, I've got nothing left, is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in the places that you feel weak. It's more than enough for you and for us to endure all things. Some of you know that I've had quite the week in my family. My father uh, on Thanksgiving morning, about 1:10 a.m., passed from this life into eternity we were out in Ohio, and uh, we got the call. And uh, we we're out visiting our fam, his family, our family. Ironically, and we we're out there. And this has been a challenging year. And some of you know more about it, and some of you know a little less. But you know, my dad's health began to fail him about a year ago, and we—he was out in California, and I happened to be there uh, when I had to call 911, and he was carried out in an ambulance, and. In the hospital, and that was kind of the beginning of the kind of adventure that you don't wish you ever would have to be on. We were able to get him out here. He lived with us for a while, he uh, was in the facility for a while. Uh, But we entered the year with hope that there'd be this great story of physical redemption. You know, that I was there and we would bring him back, and there would be this season where all of the other difficulty, and we, you know, we have a good relationship, my dad and I did, but it was complicated in some ways. That all of that would make sense, that there would be kind of redemption for all of the difficult places. And as the year went on, And I prayed all the prayers that you would pray in a situation like that. God, make this right. God, raise him up. God, give him the strength. God, do the work in his heart and in his body that only you can do so that we have a season that shows the glory of God for who it is and what it is in this man's life. And as the year went on, it became more and more apparent to me that maybe that wasn't the story that we were going to experience here. And so my prayers began to change, because my dad knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I began to pray a prayer that at first I was sheepish to even share it with anybody. I began to pray, God, heal him here or heal him there. Heal him on this side of eternity Or heal him on that side But this situation This struggle This place that he's in In his mind And in his body Is just not a great place That anyone would want to be And without Jesus You fight to hold on to that As much as you can Because death seems like the end But with Jesus It's not the end And so on Thanksgiving morning at about 1.10 in the morning, my dad is completely healed. He's no longer struggling with the myriad of physical ailments in his body. The things, the fears and the anxieties that tormented his mind, are no longer tormenting him. And even if those things had come to a place of peace in this life, it would be nothing compared to what he's experiencing now because my dad is with Jesus because of the faith and the trust that he placed in him as Savior. And in a few days, we will bury him next to my mom. But in this moment, he's not there. He's not in that grave and he won't be in that grave because he is in heaven and he's reunited with my mom and he's reunited with the host of those who have gone before in perfect peace and praising Jesus His Savior around the throne of God because death here is not the end and some of you need to hear that today as you pray. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. Jesus is the one who erases that line that we all try to escape. Jesus is the one who offers healing. And friends, never before has my picture of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ been more personal and more real and more tangible than it is right now. You know what? And This is the part I didn't expect. Jesus is beginning to heal me too. He's beginning to heal the places in me that have just felt like struggle for this past year or if I'm really honest for the past 25 or 30 years. He's bringing those places to peace and so as I mourn, At the same time, Jesus is setting me more and more free. So I mourn, and we mourn, and my family mourns, but we mourn as those who have hope. So what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to keep praying those prayers for healing. Hope for it, but have confidence in the end of the story if your hope is in Jesus. Hold tighter to that than to a specific outcome in this life. And secondly, don't let go of your picture. But hold on to that picture humbly, graciously, and loosely. Seek the giver and not just the gift. And in faith, trust. Even as I am endeavoring to trust in my life, that God's picture and his timing might be different, but it always is better than ours. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, this this feels so incredibly close to me. But I pray this wouldn't just be close to me because it's a thing that I'm experiencing in my own personal story. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would be close to each person in this room right now in the way that they need. You knew the cries of their hearts. You know the prayers that they've prayed for someone, maybe even for themselves. You know the tears that have been shed and are being shed. You know as we come to this complicated season of the year the reminders that each person has of the way they wish things were and the way that they aren't. But as much as those feelings and thoughts and remembrances and words and pictures flood back into our minds with the hope that we have because of Jesus flood even more. That you came to save our souls, but you came to offer us healing. Maybe here, maybe there, maybe in the way that we want, maybe in the way that we never expected, maybe in the way that we need more than we could ever realize and we had no idea but you always do because of who you are because of what you've done I pray that as we hold on to that as we seek the giver and not just the gifts that your peace would invade our hearts and our minds and that we would know that the hope that we have if we're in Christ is not just a hope out there It's a hope that begins right now. And maybe for a couple of us, this is where we begin that journey. We pray a prayer that says something like this, Jesus, I recognize that you are my Savior, my Lord, that you came to die for my sins, to offer me eternal life then, but eternal life that begins right now. So I confess my sins to you. I turn from them in the name of Jesus, and I follow you with my life. journey begin now for someone here, but would that journey be remembered and continue for all of us until you call us home?